We wanted FPL back to normal, but the reality is a lack of points to go around. Hello FPL Surgery listeners, on this episode we ask, are FPL managers being too trigger happy at the moment? When will Manchester City start scoring big again? We ask whether it's time to jump off those Everton assets. Do we need to fit Bamford into our forward lines? And who are the best five defenders to own for your FPL team? Welcome back listeners to episode 191 of the FPL Surgery podcast. We are recording on the evening of Tuesday the 27th of October during the Champions League games been a slightly more normal game week than we've become accustomed to but it still seems like many of us are not that happy how how has your week been josh yeah good good um it's nice to have the uh the game week over uh over four days obviously friday night football um two games on monday so even though it's um feels like it's going on for ages it's nice to to spread it out, I feel, and um, get as much um, football viewed as we possibly can. See, I kind of hate that it's spread out. I want that you know, wham bam, thank you, ma'am, at three p.m. Saturday games, you know, over and done with. Is that reflective of how it went? What with my game week? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, my, yeah, my game you week. You want the ball sandwich in at three at three p.m. on a Saturday afternoon and get it over and done with. Exactly. I don't want this slow, drawn out pain that, that we're currently experiencing at the moment. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'd feel very differently if every single game was, you know, a joy to watch and my arrows becoming more and more green. But this week's guest, he's the co-author of the book Fantasy Premier League, Unlocking the Secrets to a Top 1% Finish. He streams and podcasts with Fantasy Football Scout. He's a regular panellist on the official FPL show and he has a dog who picks captains. He has six top 50,000 finishes with two of them being in the top 20,000. Of course, it's Gianni Batiste. Gianni, I'm sorry if I've not pronounced your name as well as James Richardson, but how, how are things? Oh, they're good, mate. Thank you. And thank you for such a, a lovely intro. I felt a little bit like a boxer coming into the ring with such a big build-up. <laughs> Love that. I don't think I've ever had that build-up. So, yeah, lovely to be here and uh, looking forward to, to the show, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. I mean, what would your intro music be if you were a boxer? <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Something, it'll be, do you know what, it'd be something really cliche because it'd just be like, I had a tiger or something. <laughs> I could just see it now. <laughs> Maybe I should consider that for my next Sharko vid for my, uh, my, my dog captaincy videos on Friday afternoon. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Also, just to clarify, when I was mentioning the dog picture captains and has six top 50k finishes, um, it's you with the finishes, isn't it? It's just your dog who, Sharko, who picks, picks captains each every week do you know what he does and I, I started doing it for like a little bit of fun and then I was getting all these dms like every week why, why are you not doing the Sharko vids anymore and it was like oh, okay I need to think of a new creative idea for him to pick but no I, he picks he picks captaincy but I don't always go with him so you know I'm a little bit more of a I don't know I, I care too much to just let my dog pick every week so if I don't agree with Sharko then I post a video but I don't actually go with him so you know <laughs> it's out there for the twitter community to perhaps look at and think yeah you know i might go with Sharko, but i don't necessarily do it every week i must confess she put like um, a massive a massive bone on top of the the salad bit of paper yeah i do i do you know what little fish <laughs> on all of them oh, surprise yeah. surprise he's gone to salad oh okay <laughs> that's him again <laughs> Yeah, it's like a sure. modern day Paul the Octopus, basically. But yeah, that's definitely worth checking out. So we'll go through our game weeks briefly. Start with the highest score. Now that's you, Gianni. So how, I mean, how was your game week? You know, what transfers did you do leading into it, etc.? Yeah, it was, you know, it's just been a funny season. This game week was no different, wasn't it? Um, I mean, 
I did I did the move that a lot of people did that who didn't own him. I wanted to get Kane in and I found a way of getting Kane into my team. Um and, and many, including myself, were really close to going Jimenez to Kane. And I just there was something telling me I can't sell Jimenez. I really wanted him him in uh, for 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 a couple of weeks still. So so I found the funds by going I actually went Brewster to Kane. And I had loads of money banked because I had sold KDB previously to Trossard. So I, I had to, I had to also downgrade a defender. So Reese James came out with his eight points and, and Max Kilman with his two points came in. So I took a four point hit. I think a net loss of six points, but I do have Kane in my team now and I'm very happy with the shape. And I didn't sell Jimenez, who of course returns. So I was fairly happy with that. And Reese James, although I love him, frustrating to see Frank Lampard changed the system, and, and if he does continue with wing, wing backs, we know Reese James is nailed. But if he does revert to a back four against weaker opposition, then Reese James, of course, is a rotation risk. And I just thought at five million, I need someone in my team that's playing every single week, and I just feel like he's going to be sort of a seventy-five percent man. So yeah, I'm very happy with the shape of it, despite the net loss. Yeah, and like you say, you've set yourself up for the long term there, Josh. I mean, how, how did your game week go? Yeah, 56. Um, oh, oh, I owe you an apology. You actually got the highest score. But yeah, I, I did indeed. <laughs> I mean, last last week I was uh, I was the worst out of the three of you with 81 points below you and Emma. So so when I heard you say that to Gianni, I thought, bloody hell, at least give me a little bit of you. You know, I, I, I was top out of the three of us <laughs> this week. But um, anyway, um, yeah, no good. Um, so 56. Um, had a really good Saturday, and um, Sunday was was all right. And then was going into to Monday with Kane captain. I thought God, I could have an amazing game week here, um, and um, I was I think I was up to about 600k um, overall rank. Um, and obviously, you know, Spurs won one nil. Kane got the assist, but the sun the sun goal absolutely ruined my rank. Um, and it's just crazy how when you don't have such a highly owned player in the game that how much it can hurt you even though not that many captaincies were on Sun but yeah happy with the week my transfer that I made was Sterling for Mane and um, yeah as I said I captain Kane so um, yeah pretty happy I was shocked you actually did that move in the end the Sterling to Mane and it's really yeah, paid I off d- for you I did a bit of a stats dive on it really and um, I looked at the, the first sort of five game weeks obviously both of them had missed a game uh, Mane missed game week four, I think it was, with coronavirus, and Sterling missed game week one because they didn't start until game week two. And, and I looked at it, and stats-wise, so so far uh, up to obviously the deadline that, that we've just had for uh, for the game we've just gone. Um, XG-wise, Mane 3.69 versus Sterling 0.91. Uh, big chances, Mane seven, Sterling one. Shots in the box, Mane 13, Sterling 7. So he's killing him in terms of stats. Mane was second of all players for non-penalty XG behind Calvert-Lewin. So I just thought, right, Liverpool got two games at home and they've actually got three of the next four at home. And I thought, you know, I really like the idea of having this um, Salah-Mane double up. And actually had a little look on live FPL and um, less than two percent of the whole game have got that double up of Salah and Mane. So um, I thought, why not? I bet you gave that little little poster. You've got a Mane a kiss on Saturday night. Um. I did, yeah, I did. It's, it's, <laughs> it, I'm, I'm going to have to get one. You know, I think maybe if you fancy um, buying me a Christmas present this year, um, maybe that could be it. Maybe maybe, maybe. get it signed as well. 
Maybe. I'll, I'll see what I can do. We'll send, we'll send him a tweet. Save your pennies. <laughs> Save your pennies. See, see if you can get it done. Uh, the reason I was asking so many questions is I wanted to delay talking about my team. Uh, I'll keep it brief. I got 45 points minus four. So that's 41. Yeah, I mean, my thought process for last week, as you may remember, I was considering this hit for Havertz to Son. Thankfully, I did it. Brought in Kilman to enable it for Mitchell. So, I mean, that was a great shout from, I know Emma listened to the Wolves pods, didn't she? And so convinced me that Kilman was nailed so I so I went for Kilman I'm happy with him long term the reason I didn't replace Reese James like you did Gianni is because I watched the Champions League like highlights afterwards and I I thought he looked really good but it, I could look back on that and really regret it because I think you're right it's very hard to trust that he's going to play you know what's done is done We've had some new Patreons this week. We have Darren Byrne, who joined at the highest tier, and Jorgen Roggerberg, a.k.a. Yogi, who joined at the Slack level. So big thank you to them and to all of the Patreons. And if you'd like to join the FPL Surgery Patreon, please Google FPL Surgery Patreon. You can search Webcrawler for FPL Surgery Patreon or go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Andy Portlock, Vince Poyle, Ron Frosk, Ross from FPL Merch and Darren Byrne are all pledging at the very highest tier. They get this extra special mention each and every week. Thank you. Now we're going to go to Alan, a.k.a. FPL Diagnosis. He's going to sum up this game week and then we'll be back and we'll go through our headlines. Hi boys, Alan here with some stats from game week six. And no one will have missed this game week's two biggest underachievers in Mo Salah and Jack Grealish. They came away with 0.77 and 0.73 XG respectively with nothing to show for it. Crystal Palace midfielder Eze comes in at third place with a respectable 0.71 and Alexander Mitrovic is fourth with 0.63 making him this season's second biggest underachiever overall with two goals from a combined XG of 3.55. Patrick Bamford of Bamford Watch is unsurprisingly this week's biggest overperformer scoring three from a total xg of 1.56 he did however take by far the most shots of the game week with nine and four on target second most shots in total was raul jimenez with six of which he managed to get two on target wilfred zaha had three on target and four in total the crystal palace talisman has some decent fixtures coming up and could tempt some managers when it comes to touches in the opponent's half and passing stats we mainly find city and fulham players highlighting their dominance of possession no place for andy robertson in the top five of touches in the opponent's half this week though for chances created we have more fulham with tom kearney along with jack harrison of leeds creating five chances in second place we again find bruno fernandez at four looking at some team stats leeds created by far the most chances of the game week with 22 followed by fulham at 15. leeds also had the most shots of the game week with 27 although only nine were on target Crystal Palace had the most shots on target actually with 10 from 14 in total highlighting the clinical nature of their performance against Fulham and when it comes to injuries this week's biggest issue I suppose is the recurrent problems that Michael Antonio has struggled with the West Ham attacker has had significant issues with his hamstring and his groin sometimes being out for more than 120 days while that might not be the case this time his uh, injury issues might come in the way of managers who had planned to get him in for game week eight that's all the news i have for now back to you guys 
Thank you, Alan. And we'll go back to the headlines. So our first headline, are FPL managers being too trigger happy at the moment? And we've got a question from FPL mode, Andy. He's asked, are things starting to revert back to normal now? Gianni, if we if we go to you first, I think I believe this was your headline, wasn't it? If FPL managers are being too trigger happy at the moment. Yeah, it was. I was kind of it was it was me giving myself a little pep talk, if I'm honest, because I feel like in recent weeks I'm I'm not one for too many four point hits. And I've taken I've taken a couple in the last two weeks, which for me, considering I've used a wild card and now I've taken two four point hits and we're only, you know, six six game weeks in, just feels like I myself have been a bit too trigger happy. And I think it's because we've just seen so many goals, haven't we? And there's been so many kind of inverted commas must haves mm. that we've just been too reactionary and actually you know yes they're performing one week and then often blanking the next and I look at my two hits for example and I think on the first time I did it in, in ahead of game week five it was a net loss of over 20 points Werner came out for a hit before his haul and then and then last last week it was the same I had a net loss of six points and you know neither of them short term were worth it and I feel like you know I've been a little too trigger happy and I look across the, the community and think that many managers are probably in the same boat as, as me. What you've said rings true with me quite a lot, as in I've, I wildcard at the same time as you game week three. I've also done two minus fours since. Um, I mean, last week I removed Verena as well and it was 25 points of players that I removed. I was very lucky because I captain Kane that I even made a, a loss of just one point. So yeah, I, I can totally see where you're coming from with this. I mean, Josh, I mean, you did a minus eight, for example. Are you finding that you're being too trigger happy? Yeah, I did. So I wildcard a game week two, minus eight game week three, and then um, and then I took a minus four game week five when I made three transfers. I think really it, it's been a crazy start to the season. Can you really remember a crazy start to an FPL season in the past? Probably not. We've seen high scoring game weeks, both in terms of goals and in terms of FPL points. We've seen big hauls and, you know, like some of the hauls that we've seen already, um, are, are nuts. Um, and yeah. also some freak results and score lines. And I feel like that's what's tempting managers more. Um, if there was a couple of sort of dull game weeks where the sort of, there was scores around sort of thirties and forties, a bit like we've had this week. Um, I feel that um, you probably would have seen less bandwagon chasing, less hits being taken, less wild cards being played. But I think it's just the nature of the beast. People see points, they see goals going in, and they want they want to get on board. They want to they want to um, you know jump on them now. And I think the other thing is as well is now is the time that you can make the the most movement on your rank because of how tightly bunched together everyone is um and equally because um you know you can get on some real differentials at this point in the season before there's any sort of template emerges i feel like in any other season because i wildcarded kane out after he got that 21 points and i think in any other season that would have been like you know one of the memorable halls of the season no one would have been removing him but because there's been so many of these it's sort of diluted it, hasn't it? I mean, Gianni, just going back to the question from Andy, so from Teach Mode, he's saying are things starting to revert back to normal now? I mean, do you feel like it's starting to return to normal after this game week? Yeah, I mean, when you look at goals scored, that's a really good indicator, right? So we go back to a couple of weeks ago where we were seeing Aston Villa scoring seven and, and loads scoring sort of four plus. We saw our first nil-nil only last Monday, I think it was, um, 
that was yeah the West Brom Burnley game. Who would have predicted that? So you know that was <laughs> that was game week five. We saw our first nil nil, and then game week six we saw quite a few clean sheets, and we saw a nil nil United versus Chelsea. And, you know, the clean sheets are starting to come. The 1-0 victories are starting to come. And I think with that brings some sense of normality. And and that should mean that we're we're seeing less less players produce freak results. You know, there was only a couple of weeks ago we were seeing Jack Grealish and, and Ollie Watkins just go absolutely crazy. And that was, you know, against Liverpool. Who saw that coming? You know, Ollie Watkins at 19 points, a guy that's never played in the Premier League before. Jack Grealish with 24 points against the champions. So, you know, people are bringing in these guys. And by the way, they've blanked since. But we just not, we've not seen consistency yet. I think that will come. And, and I think it's, it was a great indicator to see our first nil-nil and then, and then quite a few clean sheets over the last week. I think one thing I was going to add to that is, um, on Friday night, actually, um, I was out um, for dinner, so I sort of switched the switched the phone off and uh, and um, took my mind off the football, and then came back to it at the end of the game and saw that Bamford had scored a hat trick and Leeds had won three 0 And I thought, oh god, here we go again, because it, it had the signs of being another bonkers game week, didn't it? But definitely Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I think it was it was fairly normal. Yeah, I think in answer to to Andy's question, it's we are going to always see the reverse, you know, to to the to the mean of clean sheets are going to increase. There's not going to be a hat trick every week. There was this week, and I think there's only been one game week so far that's not had a player score a hat trick. But that's not going to go on forever, um, and um, we're not going to see huge hauls of eighteen to twenty four points happen every week. So, yeah, it is. Um, you know, as boring as it is, it is nice to see a bit of normality in uh, in FPL. I feel now. Josh, were you you were out for dinner on Friday night. Villa Leeds, right? Did you? Yeah. Uh, just just out of curiosity, did you have any FPL assets in that fixture? Because I, I noticed you said you checked the result at the end of the game. So you know, you weren't out sort of slide trips to the toilet to check your phone or under the table to sort of yeah. check an update. Did you have players in that fixture? And if you did, if you if you if it was a game where where there was loads of your FPL assets playing, would you have been able to sit through the 90 minutes without checking? Yeah, I had um, I had Martinez in goal um, for Villa, and I had Luke Ailing. Um, I'm, I'm, it's, it's what I'm trying to do this season. I'm trying to kind of, when it comes to the game week, I'm trying to sort of, apart from obviously when I've got the opportunity to watch a game, which is obviously the best experience of FPL, or, or, or can be the worst, depending on what happens, Um is you know if it, rather than checking results all the time or you know whatever I, I, because every game is 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 being played at a separate time at the moment it's it's not like um, as we were speaking about earlier three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon where yeah I would very much struggle to not check my phone between three and five on a Saturday afternoon of course but you know it's like every single every single moment of the weekend from friday evening to monday evening there's something going on so yeah just trying to kind of switch off really go out for the evening enjoy myself and have a look and i thought you know it's martinez and an ailing you know i'm not i'm not really i'm not really it's, uh expecting a lot of their clean sheets you know and, it's uh, still like nearly 20 percent of your team though i don't know how you have the willpower i mean i'm I mean, even while we were recording, I can see Red in the three one up. I, I can't stop checking <laughs> scores. Like, <laughs> I think it's a, a mild addiction. I don't know. It might, it might be an experience thing. I've been. I mean, this is my fifteenth season, so it might be. Um, I know you guys have been playing for a long time as well, but it might. It might just be. Uh, 
you know, the um, maybe it's the, the 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 addiction is obviously still there. I won't be on a podcast every week if not, but you know, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe it's worn off a touch. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I just I just don't trust. Just to go back to the headline, though, I just do not trust that this you know is going to now go back to normal. I just feel like this season is so the crazy. Still coming. I mean, I don't know. I just wouldn't be shocked if we're recording, you know, next Tuesday and it's happened again because this think, season's been um, weird. Like first, the first game week, Salah scored a hat trick. I, yeah. I, I don't think any of us owned him, did, did we? And I did. His captain is. Oh, sorry, Josh did, but you didn't captain him. No. So you know, a lot of people got forty points. I mean, I guess you'd have only lost twenty points on those people. It almost felt to me at the time like, oh, have I just ruined my season? You know, on on the first day of it. Yeah. Um, but because so much stuff's happened since then, that Salah game week one doesn't feel as season defining as maybe it normally would. Mm. Um, I think I, for me, it's it's more about the fixtures, as in like Salah Hattrick at home to Leeds. It's not like crazy, you know. Promoted team, don't get me wrong, Leeds are fantastic. One of the best promoted teams to come up since the start of the Premiership, in my opinion. But Home first game of the season against a promoted team, he scored a hat trick. It's not un, unheard of. It's not it's not crazy. But when you're getting hauls that you don't expect, like Spurs beating United six one, Villa beating um, Liverpool seven two, you know even Bamford really hat trick um, away to Villa, who were one yeah. of the form teams in the league at the moment. You know. These are pretty crazy, unexpected things. Like this week coming up, if Mitrovic hat-tricked at home to West Brom, you, you wouldn't go, well, I never saw that happening. It's their best fixture on paper that they've got for the whole season. Therefore, you put your money on it that he's probably going to haul. Um, I think it's just been the unexpected side of things for me. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and therefore difficult for, for us FPL managers to predict where the returns are coming from really well so we'll move on to our second headline which is when will Man City start scoring big again I just we've got a few questions on Twitter I'll quickly jot through those so we've got Christoph who said KDB is a differential for upcoming fixtures Suptic Chatterjee says keep KDB or replace him and Nuclear Atoms will Foden be good enough Man City attacker option if he gets the minutes now Aguero's injured if we go to you first Gianni I mean what do you think of Man City have you got any of their players are you looking to get any of their players I was really happy on my wildcard in game week three to go all out because because I'd, I'd seen them mm-hmm. on, on their opener against Wolves the week before, and I was really impressed with them. And that this is a team that, in Project Restart, just scored so many more goals than everyone else. I think they scored 30-plus goals in, in that sort of nine-game window. And, and second highest to that was like United on 20 or something like that. So I was just really impressed with City. And, and I thought at the start of the season they'd, they'd, they'd kind of keep that momentum and really positive signs against, against Wolves in that fixture. So I used my wild card and went triple City. I went Sterling, KDB and Foden. And I did that because I had a little bit of making up to do, I felt, because I'd had such a poor kind of game week um, one and two. And yeah, in, in the two weeks I had the triple up, so game week three and four, I think I had one return from those six performances. So I've been really disappointed by them. And, and since Foden has gone, actually he's returned the two weeks I've sold him. But, you know, he has become now a rotation risk because he's not nailed, because there's there's fewer injuries in that in that squad now. And, and I was very happy with Foden 
knowing that he was nailed a little bit like say a, a Reese James at the start of the season but but when as, as soon as rotation comes in and we know they're not I, I do like players that I know are going to get you know 90 minutes and regular starts um, whilst I see the argument for keeping Foden it just depends what your squad setup is if you can gamble those 40 five minute appearances or or those games where he'll miss out and with Champions League games he's going to get a huge amount of game time this season but it will mean missing some Prem minutes so the one I kept was Raheem Sterling, because KDB Mahan was forced. I felt like I had to sell him um, when he was injured because we just didn't know how long he was going to be out for. And it turns out he wasn't out for, for long at all. But I like Sterling as a bit of a differential. I think he's 7% owned. He, he, we could have had some some hauls from him. He's come close a lot. But I just feel like City aren't quite clicking. So going back to the question, when are they going to start You know, really putting together good runs? I just don't know. We, we don't, what, what it is with City is we just never quite know what to expect. And we can never be surprised if out of nowhere they score five goals this weekend. Like that wouldn't surprise anyone, despite them being off form, despite them not having a number nine. You know, Aguero out, Jesus is still injured. No doubt it will be Sterling up top as I think he's playing tonight in the Champions League up top as the number nine. And, and it, it, it does mean that there's a few gaps there. But at the same time, it's Pep. It's City. They can go and score crazy amounts of goals. So I, I'm still very happy covering one City asset. And in, in 7% Sterling, it's a nice differential. I think you've nailed it with, uh, you know, with what City can do. So I completely agree. They could out of nowhere just destroy a team. I Personally, I've got Sterling and Foden at the moment. I think we're in a, quite a similar boat where I wildcarded, you know, to, to get those three man City players because they did me so well, you know, in Project Restart at the end of last season. Yeah. Um, it's just that team sheet tonight that that's worried me because I genuinely think that West Ham obviously are quite a good team. Like they've been playing quite well considering their fixtures. And I just feel like that second half when Foden came on, I thought they looked a lot better. Yeah. Obviously they've got KDB back now and I almost feel like it could be this very next game, the Sheffield United game, when they do that thing where they score five, six, seven goals. The problem is <laughs> I've just seen the, the Man City team sheet for tonight and it does kind of frighten me off them. <laughs> With Pep, you just never know. So, it's, you know, look at game week six. Foden was rested in the Champions League last week. So we all thought, come game week six, he was a starter. Turns mm. out, yeah, he was benched. So, you know, you just can't predict it. And then, of course, he came on. But that was only because Aguero was injured. Foden came, comes on and changes the game. And he was brilliant and, and you know, absolutely deserved his return. But he, Pep's just become even harder to predict this season I feel and and at the start of the season when there's when there's quite a lot of injuries in the team it, it makes it it makes it quite easy to predict sort of game the first few game weeks but now more than ever it's just so tricky so I, I, I when I wild carded game week two I, I brought KDB in and got obviously the his haul against um, Wolves which is brilliant they looked amazing um, which is obviously why it prompted a lot of wild cards including you guys game week three and bringing triple city i took a minus eight to go triple city i thought at that point i think we heard really late um before the deadline that jesus was out and it, it weirdly it made me feel like blimey this is the this is the first time that we're going to go in for a long time into two good fixtures for city they had leicester at home leads away and we can pretty much you know we know what the starting eleven is going to be both weeks because he only had a certain amount of players to pick from. And, and, and it worked out exactly like that, that, you know, Sterling, KDB, Mares, Foden started both games. But 
what we didn't realise is how the lack of a striker in Jesus or obviously Aguero was going to impact them. I feel like it's a few factors, really. Um, I don't think that the lack of David Silva has been spoken about enough. For a long time now, they've been playing with one holding defensive midfielder, um, David Silva and KDB. It's normally been that three, and that's been their first choice three. Um, so, so that's going to take some, some getting used to, as in, do they now go two defensive midfielders in KDB? Do they play Foden in the middle? Do they play Bernardo Silva? Who is that person? Um, I think that obviously, yes, the recognised front man. Um, I think KDB clearly, even though he's amazing against Wolves game week two, is not fully fit. So I think in terms of when are they going to click into gear, I think KDB's got to be fully fit. I think um, probably Jesus being back, I think he's going to be back before Aguero is now. Um, and yeah. then they'll start to, to flow a bit better. I think the odd game when Sterling plays up front as a false nine can work well, but typically he plays better with Jesus in the team as well. I mean, KDB is back now. Um, and he's obviously started in the Champions League. And I think that's a big reason why I think Man City, I mean, I'm, I'm quite optimistic with Man City all of the time. I, I just look at their ownership and I think, when are you going to get someone like KDB at that ownership like, again? I th- obviously, we think the same with Sterling as well. I mean, do you think, Josh, that Man City could beat Sheffield United heavily? No. Like, you don't. So, okay, so what, what was just... They're the wrong opposition. Been? They're the wrong opposition for it. I don't, like, I'm probably saying this now completely, uh, it'll go why, the yeah, other way. I was going to say, why? Why are they the wrong opposition? You just got to look at, look at teams that you, you, you would expect to be, um, teams that would take a battering, right? And I don't personally feel that Sheffield United are that team. Yes, they are looking awful this season. Yes, they definitely could be in a relegation battle. But what's that down to? I think it's down to a lack of them scoring goals. It's not down to them conceding goals. It's funny, though, because they've got Jack O'Connell out. And, I mean, yeah. people always say Burnley are a strong defensive unit, but I just remember Man City just destroying them. What was it, 6-0? Um, something like that, towards the end of last season? Yeah, but I think... Um, I think they can do this to anyone. They can, they can. First and foremost, you sit here, sit here away, not at home, and I think that makes a big difference, as it would do to Liverpool, um, another team that I think are, 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 are stronger at home than they are away. I think the other thing is, you know, the formation that they play. Um, they play three-five-two, um, you know, and yes, they're lacking obviously Jack O'Connell, but you know. And and they lost Dean Henderson in the summer. In the summer, obviously, he went back to United. But I still feel they're tight. They're tight in their formation, you know. And that therefore they're a team that aren't going to concede a great deal of goals. Um, and uh, you know, I I think the the issue with Sheffield United, like I said a minute ago, which is why they will be potentially at the bottom towards the end of the season, is that how are they going to score their goals? And that's where they're over reliant on Rian Brewster, who. You know, a player who, for what was it, 26 million, who's barely kicked a ball in the Premiership, is a huge risk to take. Yeah, just I I don't feel they're the right opposition. If it was a different opposition this week, I I actually would say West Ham out of the two would be the one that I would have looked at and and would have thought they would have given a battering more than Sheffield United, even though West Ham are a better side than Sheffield United at the moment. 
West Ham actually have a much better expected goals conceded than Sheffield United this season. West Ham have had a really hard fixture list, whereas I think Sheffield United's hasn't been that tricky. I mean, Gianni, what? I mean, if you had to predict the score this weekend or when Man City would start scoring again, um, what would you say? It's such a. I mean, I think the conversation probably rather than are Sheffield United good enough or are they a team that we can see getting absolutely trounced? I think for me, it's are City, can City just turn it on? And if they can, I think it doesn't matter who the opposition is. So if I look at Project Restart, Man City, they did four 5-0 victories in that period of 9-10 games, whatever it was, including 5-0 victories against Burnley. I'm just looking now. OK, Norwich, we saw maybe maybe not great opposition there, but Burnley, very hard to score five against. Brighton, 5-0. Newcastle, 5-0. So, you know, there's a couple of teams in there. They had a 4-0 against Liverpool. If, if Man City turn it on, it doesn't matter who the opposition is. And, and for me, is we're, ne- we're not going to know when that's coming. Um, and when that does come, I really want to be early on a Man City asset. And, and you know, yeah. we know that when that does come, it will probably involve Sterling in terms of in and amongst the goals and assists in that victory. So for that reason, I'm just really reluctant to sell a player like Sterling. And I, I'm... I'm really happy to own what is a differential in the the league's most explosive team by a country mile. That's how I summarise Man City. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and I mean, I guess it is hard to predict, but I think I just look at these ownerships. And like you said, I mean, De Bruyne is 15% owned. Foden's is that all it is owned. now? Wow. Yeah, and Sterling 7%. I mean, if, if they beat Sheffield United heavily... Yeah. We know what's going to happen. They, these... I, think there's, um, I think there's two sides to look at it. I think it's, you know, you can look at it, it depends what sort of manager you are, you can look at it as they're lowly owned, I'm going to wait and let them click into gear before I invest, because if they do beat Sheffield United 3-4-0, it's not going to hurt me that much with those ownership figures you just mentioned. Or you can look at it the other way and go, I want to get on them before that happens and keep riding the wave and wait for that yeah. big result. And you will have a huge green arrow when that happens that week. You know, even if you only own two, if you own Sterling and Foden like you do, um, and, um, and, uh, you know, and they, and they beat Sheffield United 4-0, 4-0 this week and both of them start, you're, you're in massive green arrow, uh, more <laughs> yeah. than likely. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, I guess it's just a, a matter of patience, really. Exactly, because these, I almost see it as like this, you know, the buy low, sell high kind of thing. And I don't think you're ever going to see the ownership anyway. I don't know about price, but the ownership being this low, I just, I just. No, in terms of um, if you were looking at it as a stock market, yeah. they would be the ones to invest in. Just <laughs> quick one on stats, because obviously, to to look at city assets, really, um, we can't own everyone. Okay, and so the, the the players that we'd be looking at selling to get City assets, whether it be now, whether it be game week ten when their fixtures really turn, um, are Liverpool and Spurs. Really, um, I, I think you you know to, to accommodate Sterling, Kane, um, Salah, Son in your team. Yep, you could probably just about do it, but the rest of your team would would probably look fairly light. Um, so game week's two to six, um, so not including game week one because obviously City didn't play. Big chances so far. Um, Liverpool 20, uh, Spurs 18, City with just nine. Um, XG, Liverpool 11.55, Spurs 10.85 and City 6.26. 
And then in terms of individual players, Sterling's only had two big chances in the five game weeks up to now. Um, XG of 1.24, and he's scored twice, so he's actually mm-hmm. overperforming. Sterling, yeah, Sterling, two big chances, an XG of 1.24, and he's scored twice, so he's actually overperforming. Foden's actually had three big chances, an XG of 1.31, so he's actually performing better than Sterling statistically from less minutes as well. He's also scored twice, so he's also technically overperforming. Um, and then just on to KDB, I, I, his, his goal threat's not particularly great at the moment from actually from a, from a, um, a chances created perspective. He's, he's, he's actually created 15 chances. Um, he's, he's, he's second behind Fernandez. So considering he's missed, um, a game, um, it's, it's pretty strong. The, the problem with him is, He's only created two big chances um, over that period. So I think to sum it up, really, they are, yes, creating chances as a team. But I think the chances aren't of a great quality. And that's why these players obviously have got low stats and low XG. Um, And obviously, we need to see them click into gear before the big chances rack up and the XG racks up and that's when they'll start to hammer teams and it will happen undoubtedly I'm sure. Is it time to jump off Everton assets? Now news has just broken today that Dean's suspension has been reduced to just the one game so he only misses that Newcastle game and then he's back from Man United and Fulham and I believe the Fulham games when they get Richarlison back as well. Now we've got questions on our Slack channel. Helmo's asking is it time to get rid of Everton assets? If so who goes first? Hammers or DCL? Um, we've got questions on Twitter. Suptic Chatterjee is saying, keep or sell Dominic Calvert-Lewin, considering the tough run of fixtures Everton are about to embark on. Sneaky Blinders has asked the same question about DCL and Hammers. And FPL Rodney is asking possible alternatives for Hammers at that price point. And he's been quite specific and said, not Zaha. So, Gianni, what, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on Everton assets? Do you have any? Are you looking to get any? Would you recommend people sell them? I've been so so um I've, yeah so I've been I've been just so delighted with Everton's form I really wanted them to do well I love Ancelotti as a manager um and and yeah I guess it was a little bit of a surprise that they've done quite so well because you you expect new signings to take some some sort of settling in in time and that midfield of 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 Decore and and Allen and Andre Gomez just clicked straight away um, and it meant that Calvert-Lewin was getting loads of chances. There was a steady foundation, and and you know Richarlison and and of course Hammers was just feeding him, and and it's been a brilliant start to the season. But as soon as one or two players out of a really strong eleven drop out, i.e. Richarlison or Luca Dean, you just worry about squad depth there, and are the players coming in going to be suitable replacements to keep mm. Everton at that kind of really top level? And I think Richarlison is a, is a massive, massive loss. Um, and, and likewise, Luca Dean will be. But, you know, James needs to be performing. And, and when James is on his game, if he's still in the team and fit and firing, I still fancy Everton to score against most teams. And I still fancy the likes of Calvert-Lewin to keep clocking up the numbers. The, the problem with James is he's been... He's been at Real Madrid for, you know, a long time now. And yes, he's had a loan spell at Bayern Munich. But in, in the last, you know, handful of seasons, he's not been playing 40, 50 games a season, which is what, you know, Everton really need him to do this year. So it's can he consistently deliver? 
And with his trips to South America in the international breaks and, you know, a couple of games for Colombia he played last time, late flight back, long journeys. We obviously have another international break coming up. You just you just question whether he's going to be able to keep it up consistently. And if he can, then Everton are going to be brilliant to watch and do really well this season. I'd tip them to even, you know, push for that top six and get a European spot. But no, I'm certainly looking at keeping my Everton assets. I own Calvert-Lewin and I'm very happy with him. Um, I probably wouldn't be looking to bring any in at the moment just because of the, the injuries to the squad, you know, but the Newcastle fixture looks great. And then it's United. And then after that, it's, you know, Fulham, Leeds, Burnley. It's a, it's a, it's a nice set of green fixtures there. Um, but yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. There's a few there on my watch list. Hammers, for example, I would absolutely love. I'm just not 100% convinced I'm ready for the double up yet. So like a, a don't buy, but don't sell either. Absolutely. That- Brilliant. And what, what about you, Josh? I see you've got Calvert-Lewin as well. You haven't got Hammers. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think um, he's a hold for, uh, you know, the decent fixtures that are coming up. Um, and, you know, obviously the uh, they'll be back to full strength for that Fulham game. And that Is run that of Calvert-Lewin Fulham... Calvert-Lewin or all of them as a hold, sorry? Um, all of them as a hold. Um, I think, you know, if, if you've got Hammers and and Cal- DCL, it's, it's quite hard to hold both of them for these next two, really. Um, but then again, it's two games. And then you're, and then after the international break, you're into Fulham, Leeds and, and, and Burnley. And, and I guess the next game's Newcastle. It's not terrible, um, but I, I, I wouldn't be expecting, you know, huge amounts of goals for the next two games. Um, Calvert-Lewin actually against Southampton had no goal attempts and an XG of 0.00. Um, so, you know, it's not great reading. Um, I think that they were obviously a little bit upset in terms of, you know, not having Richarlison, not having Seamus Coleman. He interestingly also dropped Andre Gomez and played Sigurdsson instead. Now, I don't know whether that was from a creativity perspective because they weren't, because they didn't have Richarlison or not, but I found that quite odd because obviously it worked really well. Those, those three sort of midfielders in the, in, in the middle, um, Gomez, Alan and Decore. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to playing that three again, um, in, uh, in game week seven against Newcastle. And, and then it'd just be, uh, be interesting to see who, who plays on the left, whether it's Iwobi again or someone else. Um, so yeah, no, I'd, I'd hold, but I think there's probably most people have got, you know, m- bigger things that they want to do with their team than removing Everton players now. Sigurdsson was your pre-season darling as well, wasn't he? <laughs> going, but going back a few weeks ago now. God, he was, wasn't he? Well, yeah, he yeah. was. <laughs> how, how, how things change so quickly. Yeah, um, blimey. Yeah, I mean, I think both your answers, I think I'd echo, echo those sentiments completely. I don't, I mean, personally, I don't have any Everton players. I've been ignoring them all season and I'm kind of glad there's a bit of doubt because, you know, not having Hammers, not having Calvert-Lewin was, you know, it wasn't very fun to watch any Everton games, you know, at all. Um, I feel like if I do get one down the line because of the, the price changes, I think Richarlison yeah, is on penalties. Yeah, I think if you don't own DCL now, 100% get Richarlison for game week nine when he comes back from suspension away to Fulham. Yeah, He's Fulham a game. Yeah. great player. He was my other shout, actually, if you remember rightly at the start and, uh, in, in terms of um, Everton players, and I, uh, I didn't expect him to be on penalties. So um, I think he's yeah, he's I mean, bonus, yeah. 
Yeah, DCF 7.7, Richardson 7.8, and that could be even, even, you know, it could reverse and go the other way. I mean, if I had Calvert-Lewin, like you both do, I I mean, I wouldn't go selling, wouldn't go selling Calvert-Lewin because you've got such a good price. I just feel like because of the price changes now, I think... For anyone looking yeah, to the future, I'm going to I'd go Richarlison. I'd be tempted to send him for Richarlison, though, just to mix it up. That's the one, isn't it? Because that becomes quite sideways. I mean, oh, really? Gianni, would would you go moving DCL for Richarlison, for example? No, and I, there's probably a couple of reasons why. Firstly, I, I always, I, I'm always really wary of those sideways moves of sort of one similarly priced um, asset from the same team to another. For example, a Sterling to KDB transfer, just because you feel mm. like it's always six or one half dozen of the other, and then do you, do you you know tra- do, do you make the wrong move there completely? But also with DCL, I just think this could be his his. We're already seeing this is his breakout year where he goes from a very good to an excellent striker I just feel like with the with the England call-up he's recently had with the Euros round the corner I think he's going to be really um, looking like he'll he'll be getting a a, not a starting spot but getting in the England squad and I just feel like he offers something really different from an England point of view but then I look at Everton and go Okay, the team's now set up, I think, for him to do even better than last season, where we saw 4-4-2 and Ancelotti over the years. Read his book, guys, if, you, if you've not. He, he, he loves a 4-4-2, but he's a really adaptable manager. But the way he's changed the formation to a 4-3-3 to get the best, I think, out of Richarlison, who's so much better coming in from the left. And then, and then also Hammers, who's playing as a, as a right-sided forward, which is a position that's quite foreign to him, but drifting inside so much that he's a 10 who's feeding DCL. And then you get the width of Dean and Coleman, who are two of the best crosses of the ball in the league. Certainly Dean is. And, and, and Dominic Cavalloon is such a threat in the air. I've just been so impressed with the variety of goals we're seeing from him. Ancelotti's been really public about comparing him to, you know, he, want, he wants him to become an Inzaghi-type figure, which is, you know, staying in, in and around the goal, always 10 yards from the goal, one-touch finishes. And we've started to see that. And, and then I look at his heading and just go, wow, you're yeah. coached every day by Duncan Ferguson, right? This is, this is <laughs> one of the best forwards the Premier League has seen in terms of heading ability. And watching Calvert-Lewin the other day, the hang time for the goal against Liverpool, it was Ronaldo-esque. Like, this guy is just hanging in the air. And I'm like, where has he come from to be this good? This is a guy that came to Everton to be part of the development squad, who was played right wing-back by Ronald Koeman, I think, early <laughs> on in his reign. And here he is, number nine for Everton, scoring bags of goals, going to make the England squad, I'm sure. He could get 20 goals this season. And I just think it's phenomenal value. And the team is set up for him to do well. And whilst I love Richarlison, I do think DCL will outscore him. The hang time on that goal was ridiculous. And just just you talking about him now has made me realise why I'm quite relieved. People are calling down on Everton because he he has looked absolutely prolific. And as a non-owner, I, I selfishly, I want them to slow down. But yeah. I mean, maybe it's one, maybe it's one I'm going to keep regretting. You know, after one blank, I'm feeling confident, but <laughs> it, it could all start again. So yeah, it could. And when we looked at the sort of project restart, he was pretty poor. So he was in loads of teams, wasn't he? Yeah. For that sort of that, <laughs> that, that, that for lockdown, and, and many managers kept him because he had done so well when Ancelotti first came in. But I don't know. Everton maybe were just on the beach. A lot of players there knew they were probably going to be moved on. Ancelotti knew investment was coming, and they just sort of. Yeah, phased out, didn't they? And, and, and that Calvert midfield Lewin. was awful, wasn't it? it? I think, um, <laughs> it was I think Rodriguez has made a massive difference in terms of their creativity as well. Yeah. Even if it's not him actually creating the end ball, 
I think just to have someone in that um, in that attack that also knows Ancelotti's managed him at various clubs before. Yeah. Um, that, that that you know, and and I think um, I was reading something pre-season about basically Ancelotti wasn't happy about what happened after Project Restart, you know, after the restart, and um, and was putting them through some grueling training sessions in pre-season. So I did expect Everton to come out of the blocks flying really not quite to this extent but um it, it wasn't completely surprised that um you know they got off to a good start so we'll move on to our fourth headline so that's do we need to fit Bamford into our forward lines now we've still got two more headlines so we'll try and keep this one quite brief but no disrespect to Bamford of course um Michael Lund has asked Bamford or Callum Wilson um, so if we go to you Gianni I mean are you looking at squeezing Bamford in after the hat-trick on Friday it's so tough picking forwards, isn't it? Of course, you know, it sounds obvious, but we're given five choices at the back. We're given five in midfield and only three up front. And when, when every team seems to want Harry Kane, many teams have got, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, myself included, you know, just spoken about with his 56% ownership. It doesn't leave too much space for a Bamford if you've got, say, a Jimenez or you've got a Danny Ings. Um, but look, I mean, I'm looking to downgrade someone like Jimenez in the next couple of weeks. And Mikel Antonio is certainly one that I'm considering, as I know a lot of people are making that move. But Bamford now, after his hat-trick, certainly becomes part of my thinking. My, my problem pre-season with him was I'd seen how wasteful he was in the championship. Yeah. I also thought Leeds will, will buy a new number nine, which they didn't do. And of course, they bought you know another forward, but he, he's kind of playing Rodrigo kind of off Bamford. And it isn't an out-and-out out number nine. And Bamford early on was getting subbed at kind of 61, 69 minutes. But in the last four game weeks, he's played 90 in all four of them. He's getting regular returns now. He's getting the minutes. That's exactly what I want to see from a kind of budget forward. If, as long as they're playing 90, I'm usually pretty happy. If they're scoring goals, it's a bonus. And at 5.9 million, we, we, we've got to be thinking about him because Leeds are creating loads of chances. So I'm thinking it's, it's, it's probably Bamford or Antonio for my Jimenez move. And yeah, I've just been really impressed by him. He's, his conversion rate in the Premier League is way better than the Championship, which is, which, you know, no one saw coming. But Bielsa obviously believes in this guy. He had a pretty big transfer budget pre-season and he decided not to go and replace Bamford. So he's seen enough in him to go, this is a guy that's going to be playing for me in the Premier League. So yeah, fair play. He's definitely become part of my thinking now I almost feel Bamford has punished those of us that look into the stats you know looking into those stats from last season where he was horrifically wasteful I mean all the Leeds fans seem to agree as well there was Leeds fans like FPL Tactician on Twitter who thought Bamford might even be dropped for a Rodrigo and then he goes and scores a hat-trick I mean it seems like you know anyone who's looked into the stats Leeds fans they all might say no don't get Bamford don't get Bamford Whereas someone like Watkins, you know, who who did perform in the championship and performed very well and against Liverpool, you know, he's done absolutely nothing since that Liverpool game. I mean, Josh, what are you, what are you thinking about Bamford? Is he one you're looking at getting in? Well, just touching on last season, actually, mm. um, pre-season, I put out a tweet, um, as I did about a few different players. Um, so I put Patrick Bamford's stats, 2019-20, compared to... Um, premiership forwards 2019-20 so goals he got was 16 so he'd have been seventh amongst all forwards xg was 24.44 he'd have been first goal attempts 121 he'd have been first and then i cheekily put at the bottom um if Leeds don't manage to sign a striker i think he could be a steal at 5.5 million 
have I had him in my team? No. Did I expect him to be this good? No. And did I expect him to hat-trick? No. So I think he's obviously now converting some of those chances he had last season. I think his stats are good. Um, I think he's 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 looking great. I mean, if you, even if you if you look at his goals that he scored, I mean, they were serious confidence goals um, against Villa. Some incredible finishes. I think it was the third one when he sort of tiptoed around sort of two or three defenders and then poked it in the uh, top left-hand corner. I was like, you know, blimey, who, who is this guy? Maybe it's and only the big chances he can't convert. Maybe if they're a bit maybe. Tri- trickier. <laughs> yeah, the small chances. Um yeah. He, you know, if, if I don't know, someone else, Kane, whoever had scored that goal, Salah or whatever, I think I think it had been plastered all over the social media everywhere, but it's, Pamf- it's Patrick Bamford and he's not cool, he's not trendy. And so <laughs> therefore, you know, it's it's Patrick Bamford, isn't it? And um, But yeah, I think he's looking great. I mean, I think all that is good. He's in an attacking team and therefore he is attractive, particularly for his price. I just... My only concern about it would be the fixtures. They're not amazing over the next uh, five. So they've got Leicester at home, Palace away, Arsenal at home, Everton away, Chelsea away. It's not amazing. Um, obviously, they don't have any Europe. He doesn't play um, international football, so that's good. But fixture-wise, yeah, I'm, I think there's probably, you know, potentially better options um, to go for than him in terms of fixtures, but yeah, he's definitely um, definitely got some heads turning at the moment. I think he's an enabler if it's going to you know if it's going to create a high upside move. Like maybe if you're going to get KDB in for someone, maybe do it. But it just reminds me too much of Pookie from last year, but in a in a much more attacking team, in a much more attacking team. Um, so let's move on to our final headline. So who are the five best defenders to own for your FPL team? I'll start with mine, actually. I'll just run through them very, very quickly. I'm going to assume I'd have Martinez in goal. I'll go for Kilman. I think he's a bargain. You know, he's a bit of a gift playing for that Wolves team. It looks like he might be nailed. And if he's not for that price, you know, I don't care. He can rot on the bench. Then I'd go for Eiling um, as my second defender. I think, yeah. Like we mentioned, Leeds look pretty awesome. I'd risk a, a Chelsea defender for my third one. So I was looking at, I still quite like Reese James, but maybe I'm biased because he's in my team. But we can get Zuma for the same price. You know, he's top for shots in the box this season amongst defenders. Or if you want to spend a little more money, and I'm really looking at not spending much money on defenders. I mean, Chilwell, it goes without saying, he looks the good. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I put down I'd get Ivanovic for West Brom at 4.5 million. Now, I know West Brom, they've conceded, they've got the worst expected goals conceded in the league. But in the two games he's played, he's had three shots in the box and they've only conceded one goal, albeit it was against Burnley and Brighton. But the main reason I'm going to, I'm looking at Ivanovic, if I was wildcarding, you know, and picking a, a defensive five, would be the fact that he rotates with Cresswell and Lamptey and he rotates with them two really, really well. Um, and I just think, you know, with a few more clean sheets this weekend, it's got me thinking about, you know, old school FPL tactics, you know, how we can rotate defenders, you know, and every dog's got to have it, have its day as well. So, I mean, Ivanovic requests well, you would get, 
you would get Fulham, then Fulham, Sheffield United, Sheffield United, Palace, Newcastle, Palace, Villa, Brighton. I mean, I think that's a pretty good rotation. And I mean, you could put in any West Brom defender for that. So, I mean, they're my five. Gianni, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm smiling to myself, Rich, as you're reading out your names. I've got mine written in front of me and I'm going, tick, tick. Oh, uh, they're the same. Sorry. No, 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 you said tick off, you said Ivanovic. <laughs> no, I definitely didn't. That's where it stopped. I have to so, turn my mic off and go and do thought, something else. I thought you were supposed to support Chelsea. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but there's nostalgic picks and there's nostalgic picks. Like, this, you know, this is on another level, Rich. <laughs> Although I do like the Ivanovic pick for the fact Hegazi's gone back. So Ivanovic is now at least nailed because Hegazi was getting in the team and he's just been sent back to his parent club. But yeah, I mean, mine are... Um, so, so I think you, the first three you mentioned, I think, were um, uh, Ailing. Did you mention Ailing, Leeds? Ailing, yeah. My yeah. first three were Ailing, Kilman and a Chelsea. Zuba. Yeah, so I've got Ailing, oh, wow. <laughs> Kilman and Chilwell. So um, Ailing, look, I know he's been playing centre-back in recent weeks. I can't believe the engine on him. This guy, I think, runs more than... He, he looks like prime Kante in terms of his, his running. This is a guy that didn't make it at Arsenal and then came up through Yeovil. Um, but... He can play right back, he can play centre back, he can play right wing back. He will get attacking returns even when he's playing right back or, well, even when he's playing centre back or right centre back as he's also played. He, he can overlap, but overlap in a way that's much better than, say, a Sheffield United right centre back. So compare him to, I don't know, Chris Basham. Ailing will get forward and, and deliver better quality than someone like a Basham. So I've just been really impressed with him, and I think attacking returns will come in a team that's going to score goals. Yeah, he's been brilliant, isn't he? Cooper should be back this week, um, yeah. and therefore they'll, he'll, he'll go back to right back. And, you know, he, um, what was the game? Game week five, uh, was it against Wolves? I thought he looked incredible. And yeah, the engine on him, like you say, like, I, I, he's in my team and, I'm, and, and, and so is Dallas, but I much prefer Ailing and Ailing's going to start for me and just, I'm, I think I'm going to stick with him for the season, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. If I was on a wild card, he'd be the first defender I think I'd bring in. I'm looking at a defence, by the way, that, that's full of budget players other than Chilwell. So my keeper, of course, is Martinez, hence not having an Aston Villa defender, because I would have cover there. I, I like Konza, for example. So Ailing and then Kilman because he's, bru- he's cheap. And if he's nailed, I want Wolves cover. I think Wolves are the most solid defence in the league. So if Kilman isn't there, then I'd bring someone like a Sice in. Um, number three is, is Chilwell, who, you know, is the, well, one of the Chelsea fullback that's absolutely nailed. We've got to remember that Emerson and Alonso aren't in the picture in terms of Premier League football. Um, Chilwell's also been on set pieces, but Ziek will be when he's in the team. Um, but still, he's got, in three game, Premier League games, two assists, one goal, he's going to get forward. Um, and then, yeah, I continue with the kind of budget options. Lamptey, who I paid 4.5 for, who is in my team, I think will get loads of attacking returns. I just like wing-backs where possible. And Lamptey is, of course, playing right wing-back. Um, but he's, he's one of the main attacking outlets in that Brighton team. And he's just really cheap. And then I've gone for a, a West Ham defender. I've gone, I've gone for um, the, the new Czech guy, Kufal, who I think, I think it's pronounced Shufal. Um, but he's, his ownership is 0.3%. He's playing right wing back. And the fixtures turn really well for West Ham in the next couple of weeks. So um, I just like the run of Sheffield United, Villa. He's got Fulham up in two weeks' time. So, yeah, um, down my five. All cheap other than Chilwell. Um, but, yeah, it would be to squeeze in that extra premium attacking player. 
and two of them rotate really well with Ivanovic as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what are you thinking, Josh? Are you, I've gone for quite a different. Similar? Yeah, I've gone for a different West Brom defender. So I'm going to go for uh, Kieran Gibbs. Um, no, I've <laughs> okay, I thought you were serious. Just taking then. the piss. <laughs> oh, um, okay. No, I've not. I've, I've, I've not even looked at West Brom, and I never will do. Um, so uh, no. So my five pretty similar <laughs> to, you, to you to you guys really. Um, so I've gone with Chilwell as well. Um, Aaron Creswell, who's great stats this season. They've got some good fixtures coming up from game week eight. Um, Ailing as well. Kilman as well. And then the other one, um, I don't think you guys have mentioned, um, was Charlie Taylor. It's a bit of a boring pick, but I just think that Burnley are starting to turn a little bit in terms of fixtures um, and in terms of defensive form. Um, ben Mee's going to be back soon. So I'd say sort of maybe uh, after the international break, that sort of time, I think they could could start to get into to full gear and no doubt we'll see some annoying Nick Pope clean sheets and... Uh, bonus points and all sorts of stuff so um yeah i think a bernie defender will, will will be will be a good one to keep an eye on i really like that we none of us shared who we were picking earlier and i think we've come to some kind of consensus you know with we've all like west ham defender eiling kilman yeah i think i think we've got a bit of a consensus there apart from ivanovic um, but I think my point there was just that, you know, let's not overlook these rotations. And he has had three shots in two games. Let's, anyway, let's go for the Iceman's piss. That is about 42. This week's piss break wouldn't be possible without a liquid receptacle to drink from. And FPL Merch has plenty to offer. So go to at FPL Merch on Twitter to find out more. Welcome back, listeners. So we'll go straight to our questions. Now, we've got some on the Slack channel. So we've got a couple of spurs from J-Roz and Helmo. J-Roz is asking for Josh specifically. If you don't own Son, is it too late to bring him in? Um, so I think, Josh, that's because of you mentioning his overperformance of underlying stats. And then we've got Helmo asking, similarly with Kane, too late if not already on board. So we'll go to you first, Gianni. Are you looking at, um, I mean, do you think it's too late for Son or Kane if you, if you don't own? No, I don't. I'd, I'd still be looking to bring them in with the, with the next two fixtures of, of Brighton and then West Brom. Mm. And knowing their ownership's only going one way, it's increasing. I, I, I'm very happy that I'm on both of them. And if I, if I wasn't, I'd be looking to, to bring both in. The beauty of the Son Kane partnership this season is when one scores, the other gets the assist. So it's a really lethal combination. More than I think we've 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 seen in a very very long time. The Premier League record goal and assists is is something like Sutton and Shearer ninety five on like fourteen, and these guys are already on ten in terms of a duo one assisting the other. So they're gonna they're gonna smash that record, and I'm really excited by them. In the next couple, and yeah, the fixtures get difficult in the next few weeks, but even when they do, Spurs you'd still fancy to score against the top teams the way they're playing. I know they they weren't brilliant against Burnley, but they have been in previous weeks. There was that video where when Son scored yesterday, he was asking Kane or he's mouthing to Kane, you know, <laughs> did you get the assist? I mean, it seems like they both want to, you know, assist each other. Um, I mean, Josh, you obviously, you don't have Son. You've you've stated, you know, that he's overperforming compared to stats. Are you looking at getting him in? 
I mean, he's not regressed so far, has he? No, <laughs> um, no, no. I'm eating my words. But no, I'm not I'm not going to get him in. Um, I, I agree with um, Gianni in that uh, I think, you know, if you're going to do it, do it now. Um, those two games coming up are fantastic. Home to Brighton away to West Brom. Um, but yeah, I'm happy with just Kane. Um, I don't think it's too late on either. I do if you probably leave it after this week. I think if you're going to do it, do it now. Um, and then obviously once that, after those two games, then their fixtures change and then, um, obviously we'll all have decisions to make as to whether we continue with one or both or neither. It's a big reason why I had that dilemma, didn't I, where I could do Havertz for Son, but I was 0.1 short and I just, I just went for it. I just feel like going to have this question every single week until that West Brom fixture's out of the way. And like you say, I mean, it could go even beyond that. So I'm sure we'll have questions in a couple of weeks, like, should we keep Kane and Son? So I just felt like it was one I needed to get on. Now, we've got some questions from Slack again. So Gabrielle's asking best Mitro replacement. And then we've got Alex Ball, who's saying, Antonio was the go-to striker in game week eight. If he's injured, which forwards we should be looking at? Is Haller an option? So, I mean, Gianni, what kind of players are you looking at you know, around that price point. Is it is it Bamford, for example? Yeah, for me it is Bamford. And he's five point nine to save a little bit of money, but just I'm it's just been so refreshing seeing the guy playing ninety and also seeing Rodrigo in the same team, so it's not one or the other. He is the only out and out nine that's getting game time at Leeds. He will be the main man and that team will just score goals. You know, Antonio does seem like an obvious move and if he's fit that's one I'm I'm certainly looking at as I've previously mentioned. And Sebastian Allaire, yeah, you know He'll come into the team, but again, you know, you probably want someone that's going to be playing 90 and he won't be. Um, and I think, you know, we, we know that Antonio is first choice. Aller is, of course, cheaper this season at 6.1. I think he came into the game at the start of last season at like 7.5 million. And, you know, he's got a great goal scoring record from his time in Germany. I think it was at, he was at Frankfurt, but he hasn't quite done it at West Ham yet. And we know the way Moyes wants to play. It's very much suited towards Antonio than it is to Aller. So I much prefer um, Antonio there. Yeah, I think I agree. It's not time for the Aller copter right <laughs> right away. Uh, so, I mean, what, what do you think, Josh? Um, obviously, you've got Antonio, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Don't, I'll get upset. Uh, well, first of all, well done on having Antonio. But <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, it's just so amazing to see... Uh, your budget striker score an overhead kick against one of the best teams in Europe. Um, so that was, I mean, you don't get any more points than, than, than the, than the four points for the goal, unfortunately. I think you should personally, but, you know, well, it's. I think Kane um, should get points for clearing, like, um, clear, goal line clearances. Yeah, I do. I think you should have, I mean, the bonus point system, this is a whole other podcast, but is absolutely flawed. How we can get no bonus points for an assist and a goal line clearance and, uh, Sun nicks a header at the back post in the, in the, you know, in the last, whatever it was, 10, 15 minutes and he walks away with three bonus points. Anyway, I'll, uh, not, not, not bitter at all. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, with regards to Antonio, um, doesn't look like the news that is imminent is good news. I think he will be out, um, definitely for this week. Um, if he is, if he's out short term, I think I'll probably hold him. If he's out long term, I'll have no choice but to get rid. And if I'm honest with you, I really don't like any of the replacements at the moment. Um, so I'm not sure where I'd go. 
Um, and then with regards to um, Gabriel's question, um, best Mitro replacement, I just don't know why you'd get rid of Mitro at the moment. Um, he might be, you know, performing terribly, but he, they've got West Brom at home this week, then West Ham away, Everton at home. I mean, definitely keep him for this week, um, if not potentially even the next three. Um, his stats, as always, are um, are fantastic. Um, he's got goal attempts. He's he's only behind Kane and Salah in the whole game. Um, big chances. He's doing really well. Um, and actually, in terms of xG, um, he's the second um, most underperforming striker behind Richarlison. So he's very due. Keep Mitro for sure. Yeah, and he was a much better finisher last year than um, than Bamford, who we've mentioned, but. <laughs> We'll we're, we're round up the questions there, so we'll move on to our... So, honestly, thank you, everyone, for sending questions in. I'm sorry we can't get through you know every single one, but we do our best. Now, we've got some feedback from Mars. So, obviously, Mars, he's on the Three Amigos podcast, and he says, love the cane drop, love the fresh, happy approach from Emma and the reason she joined. Can't believe it's only two years. Talks like a pro with spreadsheets and stats. Amazing how FPL makes people enjoy football more sometimes. Great story and great guest. So thanks for the feedback, Mars. And you know, they've got they've got a great podcast this week with Mark Southerns where they have a little chat with him. So I definitely remember recommend checking that out. So we'll move on to our partner chat. Now, as always, we've got Mikhail Tokfam and his algorithm. You can sign up to his Patreon at patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. And he's going through the, the Iceman's team each and every week. With only one free transfer and nothing to spend, there aren't a lot of options for you this time around. Your team anyway looks good for this game week, so having two for next game week might be a great idea. Getting rid of Mares and Podents will probably be, be a priority then. So I'll just read out the Iceman's team quickly to give it a bit of context. His team is Johnston and Button. He's got double Liverpool defence with Robertson and Trent, Walker Peters, Eric Dyer and Ferguson. He's got Salah, Son, Mares, Podents and Burke and Kane, Jimenez and Davis. So we're also partnered with Fantasy Football Hub and have been given the exclusive sign-up offer of Surgery 15. So if you go to Fantasy Football Hub and use that offer code, it's capital letters Surgery 15 and you get 15% off. So that's fantasyfootballhub.co.uk. And we're also partnered with FPL Doodles. That's at FPL Doodles 1 on Twitter. And Doodles does the artwork for the pod release tweet each and every week. Now we're going to move on to our trapped in section. So this is where we go through our our transfers and we go through our captains. So Gianni, how are you setting up for this week? Yeah, I do you know what? we we spoke earlier about being too trigger happy, and I mentioned I'd taken a couple of four point hits early on, which I don't like doing. And and this week I've decided to roll the transfer, and and the plan was always to start to upgrade my squad. I've got a couple of players on my bench who I'm not overly happy with, including Dunn and Burke. But at the moment, I'm happy with them just sitting there. I quite want two transfers ahead of that fixture swing where we see Wolves fixtures get a little bit too a little bit trickier and then we see West Ham's fixtures get a little easier so come game week eight I really want those two transfers so which could involve a Jimenez out possibly an Antonio in depending on fitness but yeah I'm I'm very happy at the moment it does mean I'm going into the game week with triple Wolves against Crystal Palace 
hoping Kilman and Sice both start. Um, I can't see why Nuno would change that back five. I know Sice came off for Marcel, who is fit, but Kilman's been brilliant. I think he will start at left centre back, and and Sice is go to and a favourite of Nuno's and seems to always play. So I'm I'm quite happy with my team. I've got good fixtures for Sterling and Salah and Son and Kane, my four premiums, as well as Jimenez and Calvert Lewin. So it's kind of that all out attack premium uh, way. I think the armband will probably go on Salah. Great to see him given some some rest in the Champions League this week. Hopefully he's fresh and ready for West Ham. Although there's a little bit of me that says I should be giving it to, to Kane against Brighton. But I feel like because I had Salah this week and he was so unlucky not to return with his hit the woodwork. He was marginally offside for a disallowed goal. Um, I don't think he'll be blanking two weeks on the trot, so I think I'll be going Salah. And what about you, Josh? Uh, All down to Antonio, really. Um, Like I said, if he's out long-term, I may move him on this week. I might even bench him still, because I don't really know who I want. If he's out short-term, I'll definitely bench him. I've got Dallas first sub at home to Leicester, so I'm happy to play him as well as Ailing. Um, in that game, happy with my team. Um, captaincy, um, I'm on Kane again. I think I'm just going to pretty much stick with Kane for these this this nice four run of fixtures. Um, yeah, pretty pretty set. Yeah, m- my team. I'm like you, Gianni. I've got Saïs and Kilman. I'm just going to roll with them for one more week and bench Podence. I'm Reese James. He's reminding me a little bit of a couple of years ago when a lot of people went for Robertson, even though Trent was a lot cheaper and he was rotation. You know, he was rotation prone. I'm going to stick with Reese James for a little bit. I was looking at rolling my transfer, but there is there's one transfer I'm considering. And it's why I'm a bit annoyed that Pep's played a full-strength team tonight. I was looking at doing Salah to De Bruyne and captaining De Bruyne. And then I'd have De Bruyne captain, I'd have Sterling and I'd have Foden. And just, you know, just pray at that low ownership that City do what City can do. Obviously, the downside there would be I wouldn't have Salah, who have only just got back in. I thought you were normally a Sterling captain over KDB. It's the ownership. It's the ownership. I mean, Sterling generally is a lot lower owned than KDB, especially last season anyway. I always feel like when you've got those 50-50 calls, I'd just rather go with the lower owned player. Sterling's lower owned now though, isn't he? He, He's lower owned, but not through active managers. So he is is lower owned. And I guess maybe the active manager argument this early doesn't matter. But I feel like a lot of that 15% of KDB is going to be dead teams. Yeah, I, I saw a great tweet the other day on, uh, I can't remember who said it, best way of working out how many um, inactive managers there are um, on, on FPL is just check Aubameyang's ownership. <laughs> that was it's absolute very, class. Very it's, true as well. So fifteen point two percent of the game at the moment are uh, are dead because I, I don't know what's going on with him recently, but his stats are shocking. Yeah. But if I um if I roll, which I may well do, I will captain Kane. I'll be right with you there, Captain and Kane. But Ooh. there's just that thing in the back of my mind. I'm just thinking Salah to De Bruyne, Captain you, De Bruyne. Oh, I don't know. It's very like very Salah. tempting. Yeah. I just don't want want Salah. You just don't like Salah. I I don't know what it is. I was very annoyed that I captained him last week because I only got him in to captain him for these two games. And maybe I do. Maybe I do. Get a poster, stick it on your wall, buy me one too, send it in the post, 
everyone's a winner. I just feel like there's this narrative in the in the community when Salah, you know, Salah hits the post, Salah is offside. It's like, oh, he was unlucky. But if Sterling did that, it would be like, oh, Sterling, he's he's horrendous. He, Sterling was offside, and Salah Sterling is the FPL community <laughs> darling, isn't he? But exactly. I just. I'm just not a fan. He's a he's a he's a brat, and he when he's so selfish, <laughs> I can't stand him. And I own him. Yes, I do. But um, a lot of that is because uh, I like to sleep at night because I know that he's uh, he you know he can haul big. But you know I, I I you know if it wasn't down to ownership, I wouldn't have him in my team because I'm not I'm not a massive fan of him as a as a as a person or as a as a footballer really. Maybe we've been too emotional, but also I can just remember last season, I, I went without De Bruyne quite a lot. This is not reason to pick a player, by the way, but I went without De Bruyne quite a lot. And there were people like calling me crazy for going without him. So if I could then get him in and captain him and he hauls, I just feel like there'd be some, some justice there. But I mean, this goes beyond FPL advice. This is just, um, just me spitballing. So we'll move on to our surgery league. So Josh, do you want to run through those quickly? Yeah, of course. So, uh, in fifth position, the, um, FPL surgery podcast league is, uh, Connor Bowles. Fourth is Darren Axton. Third is Gloria OA. Second is Megamind Banderi and first is Tony Omondi. And in the FPL Surgery Patreon League, we've got two that are joint fifth. So it's Baird Nordil Nielsen uh, and the other player, player uh, fifth is Jay Rosnick. Fourth is Jonathan Erez. Third is new patron Darren Bairn. Second is Ian Gibson and first is still Espen Frostad. Well, Darren's come straight in there, strapped to third, strapped to third. Why so signed up? Yeah, <laughs> he wants the money at the end of the season. He's he's probably gutted. He was only third. But yeah. um, Gianni, we're coming to you now. Um, so do you mind going through your best three picks for the week? Yeah, I've I've gone I've gone pretty predictable in a way. I've gone for the like, two of the the FPL darlings of the season, as as mentioned, Salah and Kane. And then I've, I've complimented them with, with, with Jimenez. I just feel like Jimenez needs a bit of love. So many sold him, uh, out for Kane. Look, he's not an explosive asset. He rarely scores more than one goal, but, but he's pretty consistent. You know, he's had returns in the last couple. Um, and I really like that Palace fixture for Wolves. I think Wolves have underwhelmed a little bit this season, but I feel like they're, they're close to clicking and Nuno is trying to play a more expansive game. He's playing 3-4-3. Over three five two, which was favoured a lot last season, and I think Podence and, and, and Neto and Traore, when he plays, can start to complement Jimenez even more. So yeah, I've gone for Jimenez too. I wonder if Jimenez is the new stat buster, a bit like a bit like Vardy was last year, because he just seems to seems to just score, even if he doesn't look like he should, or if Wolves are playing well, he just seems to get those points on the board. Um, but also the last two weeks I think well that's what I mean that's what I mean he's scoring even when the stats might not support it so yeah I I like those picks Um, what about differentials then do you have three differentials I do I've gone I've I've gone pretty outside the box there I've gone for Cancelo because um, I just he's he's been Man City's one of Man City's best players in the last three four months and I include Project Restart in this and Pep's been full of praise for him um, he's also been been starting at left back over Zinchenko and, and Mendy, who's out. But I fancy Man City to get a clean sheet against Sheffield United, and I'm pretty confident Cancelo will start at left back. He's also been way more attacking than Walker on the other side. 
Um, I've also gone for a little bit of a wildcard shout in Cavani. Now, look, of course, we don't know if Cavani's going to start against Arsenal, but I just like that United-Arsenal fixture for goals, just the nostalgic pick there. And Cavani, I just think that we're really lucky in the Premier League to have you know, the world's best players come and play in it. And to have the likes of James come this summer was really exciting. Now, Cavani, of course, is past his best, but I still think there's a, there's a player there. And I'm expecting him to do really well at United. A little bit like in years gone by, I think of, of Henrik Larsson when he came to United or Zlatan when he did. You know, um, perhaps not the, the, the Falcows of this world who came and, and, and didn't do well. But I think Cavani will and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it, see him in action. And I just hope Oli gives him a start with Martial still out. But I fear that he'll probably play Rashford as the lone striker again. And then my third pick, I've gone for a, I've gone for a Fulham player. I've gone for Lookman. Um, Fulham's best fixture on paper of the season, as Josh said earlier, is at home to West Brom. Lookman has looked really bright. Um, and I just think he's got a bit of a point to prove. Didn't quite make the grade at Everton. He was unlucky there because they spent a lot of money on him. And, and they just had a few different managers who didn't fancy him. He went to Germany, did all right. Did well in his first phase, sec- second phase, not so well. But I just I think Lookman's a bit of a nice wildcard option. Not for a long-term pick, but for game week seven, I like him. Brilliant. No, I, lo- I love those ones, especially, especially Cancelo. He was one that mm. almost almost made it onto my um, my five defender thing. It's just blocking that Man, Man City attacking spot. But yeah, I think, I think I fully agree with that. Gianni, I mean, thank you very much for coming on today. Um, where can our listeners find you? And more importantly, where can they buy FPL Diary? Oh, good stuff. Thank you, mate. Yeah, you can find me at, at, at Gianni Batici Twitter handle or FPL Diary Twitter handle is probably a lot easier for most um, with the spelling of my name, which I won't go into. But yeah, you can just Google uh, FPL Unlocking the Secrets to a Top 1% Finish to read the book that I spent a couple of years writing and it's 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 been really well received on Amazon and, and places like that. So yeah. Thank you very much for having me and hope some of the listeners get the opportunity to, to buy the book. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it was I joined Twitter, what was it, last year? And I bought, I bought that book, one of the first things I did on Twitter. And I, I honestly do recommend it. I'm not just saying it because you're on the show. I think, I think it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, you know, it is good for FPL knowledge as well. Please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. You can join our FPL Surgery Podcast League. That code is 439HW9. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at FPL Surgery. You can subscribe on iTunes and please remember to rate the podcast five stars. Finally, you can email us. Our email address is fplsurgerypodcast at gmail.com. Now, Josh, you've just got one more thing to say. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. So I messed that up a bit because Reading just scored. Um, <laughs> Five. Two to they, six. They didn't play. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. So he's had two big chances. Sorry, what I mean is they've had one less game week, though, than the other assets. Liverpool ones, for example. No, because I didn't include game week one for any of them. Oh, ignore me, ignore me. Go on. <laughs> so, um, 